are recording. Hello, listeners, wherever you are, and welcome to Fix This Flick, a podcast where two millennials who'll never be able to afford a house deconstruct your favorite films and tell you how we'd make them better. I'm your host, Ali, and joining me for a record-breaking third time as my co-host is Rob. Hey, everybody. Hey, Rob. How's it been? It's been great. It's been great. I'm enjoying this roller coaster that we're all on together. Yeah, roller coaster indeed. We're in the middle of the second wave here in Canada. And well, it's been a long, long year, actually, hasn't it? Yeah, longer than any anybody expected, I think. Well, we don't want to dwell too much on pandemic stuff because wherever you look is pandemic this, pandemic that. Hey, this is an escape, right? Yeah, exactly. And just dragged on forever, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think we we picked a very appropriate movie to uh, talk about tonight. I, I completely agree. Yeah, it's a very timely movie, especially the kind of world we're living in right now. The movie we'll be fixing, or trying to fix anyway, is Interstellar. The late coop. Yeah, we had a flat. It's an Indian surveillance drone. Solar cells power an entire farm. What'd you do, Murph? Uh, she didn't do nothing. Murphy's law. You're a well-educated man, Coop. And a trained pilot. And an engineer. The world doesn't need any more engineers. We didn't run out of planes and television sets. We ran out of food. Dad, why did you need me after something that's bad? Oh, we didn't. Murphy's law. Murphy's law doesn't mean that something bad will happen. It means that whatever can happen, will happen. We must confront the reality that nothing in our solar system can help us. Now you need to tell me what your plan is to save the world. We're not meant to save the world. We're meant to leave it. And this is the mission you were trained for. I've got kids, Professor. Get out there and save them. I have no idea when you're coming back. I'm coming back. We must reach far beyond our own lifespans. We must think not as individuals, but as a species. We must confront the reality of interstellar travel. Murph, I love you forever. Interstellar is set in a near future where climate change has ravaged the Earth and left humanity at the brink of extinction. In a last-ditch effort to save mankind, NASA devises a plan to take Earth's population to a new planet through a wormhole that has mysteriously appeared near Saturn. Pilot Cooper, who is played by Matthew McConaughey, and a team of researchers journey through the wormhole to find a new home for humanity. But not everything goes according to plan. Dun-dun-dun! The way I kind of wrote that, it makes it feel as if it was horror movie or something at the end i just realized but yeah anyway yeah fresh off his hugely successful dark knight trilogy christopher nolan turned his sights next to the final frontier space 
with 2014's Interstellar, still probably Nolan's most ambitious movie to date. The nearly three-hour-long Interstellar was a big hit with audiences and critics, grossing nearly $700 million worldwide and getting nominated for five Oscars, winning one for Best Visual Effects. Interstellar was also the number one most disappointing cinematic experience of my life, and I'm someone who once watched The Last Airbender in theaters, so that's saying something. And yet, it's considered by many to not only be one of the greatest sci-fi movies ever since its main inspiration, Stanley Kubrick's 2001 Space Odyssey came out in the 60s, but it's also considered one of the greatest movies of all time. Currently, it stands at number 30 in IMDb's Top 250. number 30. Yeah. And unlike most movies we've tried fixing so far, I kind of understand why it's so highly rated, as much as I disagree with its elevated status. Would you agree with that, Rob? Yeah. Yeah, that's fair to say. Yeah, there's a lot to like that we'll talk about in a bit. Sure. Yeah, so we're going to talk about what worked for us in Interstellar, what didn't work, and we'll see if we can come up with some fixes that may redeem parts of the movie, or at least make it more bearable or better. At the very end, we'll pass our final judgment on whether the movie is fixable or damaged beyond repair. And before we get started, spoiler alert from here on out. So, Interstellar was, I gotta say, a very ambitious movie. I remember being just excited by the concept when the movie was first announced and when trailers came out for it. And, you know, coming off the Dark Knight trilogy, which for people who listened to (laughs) the recent uh, review I did about that Dark Knight Rises, I had mixed feelings about, but I really loved a lot that Christopher Nolan did in those movies. And so, thought amazing. He was inspired by Stanley Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey. How could you really go wrong with such a great director, you know, only four years off of Inception, which I think is one of the best movies ever made. And true story, I actually took a friend who hated going to movie theaters to see this movie, and she really didn't want to go, and I convinced her, and I was thinking, okay, if there's one movie that that will be a cinematic experience that redeems cinema, it's going to be this one, and holy shit, within half an hour or 40 minutes, I knew, oh god, she probably hates this because I'm finding this movie boring, and... I'm someone who loves movies like Lawrence of Arabia. So in, in a sense, it's one of those things where the ideas and concepts are amazing in this movie, but then when once you see it in practice, it, it's quite a disappointing experience. Yeah, yeah. I find Christopher Nolan movies to be a mixed bag oftentimes. They're all... The, one thing that they share is they're all very ambitious. I think that ambition serves the movie sometimes and other times it doesn't. And I think in Interstellar, it did at certain parts. It has a lot uh, that worked for me, but then it has some elements that uh, were unnecessary and I, I think took away from the positive aspects of the movie. And yeah, and just in case anyone who's listening hasn't seen the movie, it's, as we said earlier, set in the near future. And the movie focuses on a family. Uh, Matthew McConaughey is a farmer. He has two kids. It's explained to us that his wife died of cancer in a in a very <laughs> clunky way but we'll get into that later and yeah he's a he's a former pilot and he's just not happy with the life of a farmer but everybody's a farmer now because the planet is just desperate i, I think by the time the story starts only corn is able to grow on earth anymore so everything people eat is corn related anyway it's basically insinuated that life is coming to an end and there's just nothing to do about it so people are just depressed and there's sandstorms dust storms i don't know what that was in the in the beginning of the movie yeah they didn't explain it so well a lot at the beginning of the movie wasn't explained and i i actually kind of like that i like when a movie just kind of like thrusts you into yeah me too a universe and you you pick up details about it just from the interactions of people and their day-to-day life and it shows it has this weird way of showing 
very lifelike interviews with uh, with older people who I guess oh, yeah. lived through the time, and oh, they're yeah. just recounting their experiences, what what it was like living on Earth. It was definitely weird to see that in this movie, but at the same time, it did make it feel a little bit more organic. Well, I remember when I was rewatching it this time, and boy, I was dreading rewatching it <laughs> uh, just because of that nearly three-hour lo- runtime. It just felt like what they were showing us without that documentary, fake documentary footage, conveyed what those people were saying anyway. Yeah. But I see your point in the sense that it made it feel like documentary, so made it feel more visceral and it real. It was a strange decision. I can see why they did it, because they wanted it to play like a documentary. They wanted it to seem real and organic. But still, it was just a little bit strange. Well, that's the thing with Nolan. He always ambitiously tries to put in all these very important themes and ideas in popcorn movies. Yeah, that's why this movie that's about humanity the brink of extinction is focused on this family so mcconaughey is a pilot and he doesn't know what to do with his life and things are just kind of dying and he has a very close relationship with his daughter i'd say it's the most important relationship in the movie his kids are both young and his daughter's particularly attached to him the daughter's the one who has the more inquisitive mind who's trying to always figure things out she thinks there's a ghost in her room which her dad who's practical rational dismisses right away but in a way that's kind of not really explained there's some dust that comes into the bedroom and the dust forms binary is that right yeah yeah Yeah. during one of these massive dust storms yeah that that moves through the area some dust blows into her window and it falls into a very distinct like barcode pattern on her floor and cooper surmises that it's because of gravity somehow it's affecting gravity and they also figure out that it is the coordinates of course it's a code it's a message of somewhere out there in the planet or nearby i don't know somewhere yeah he figures that (laughs) out very quickly that this code is binary and it's coordinates i don't know how he comes to that conclusion because it would just be represented by numbers but well because the movie wants us to know that and doesn't really explain it but we're not going to nitpick all those things in this review or else we're going to spend a very long time (laughs) that's the thing with nolan movies too you kind of just have to go along with the ride and uh, so very inquisitive mcconaughey cooper wants to find out what those coordinates are and his daughter tags along for the ride turns out to be this hidden nasa base and i think a thing to mention at this point is that in this version of the future space travel is very much discredited and villainized so in his children's school cooper finds out that uh, they're actually teaching kids that the moon landing was staged by the u.s as a propaganda tactic to demoralize the russians or something space travel as an idea is just considered to be a big waste of resources that's that's one of the reasons why the planet is in trouble because it kind of captures this whole conflict that we even have in our real world of do we focus our resources on leaving this planet or exploring beyond it or fixing the problems that we have here? And in this world, Cooper's kind of an outlier where he wants to explore. He has just this inquisitive spirit in him, adventurous spirit, and the rest of society is kind of just settled on, well, we're just kind of stuck with this planet. So NASA is supposed to be no longer in existence, which is why it's hidden. And we find out that NASA is basically working on this big project that's going to save humanity from extinction. An old colleague or professor of Cooper's, uh, played by Michael Caine, is running this project. He's a physicist of some sorts, and they've devised a plan to use gravitational propulsion to take the Earth's population into space so they, they can survive. And then it is also revealed that there's a wormhole that has just mysteriously appeared somewhere near Saturn. They've sent astronauts through this wormhole to find habitable planets, 
that are within our reach. We don't know why this wormhole showed up. It's just this big mystery. And lo and behold, they need a pilot. And guess what? Cooper is an astronaut who's been trained to be a pilot. He is given with this proposition, help this mission be the pilot and go into this wormhole where you might not return and help save humanity or else there's no other option. He decides he has to do this. Any human being who cared about the future of the planet and the future of their children would, right? This decision is not met kindly by his daughter who feels like he's abandoning her and he goes ahead and does it anyway. That's when the real movie kicks off where Cooper and this team of researchers, including Amelia, who's played by Anne Hathaway, and two other Expendables, whose names I can't remember, go into this wormhole. But before we sum up the movie, there's something I really wanted to talk about that I touched upon a little bit in the last episode when I covered The Dark Knight Rises with my brother, who was my guest host last time. And it's just frequent problems with Christopher Nolan movies. As the movie progresses, there's more and more just really clunky, awkward, bad dialogue that's just there, not because it's something the character would say in that scenario, but because information needs to be conveyed to the viewer. And I'd say the good movies find a way of conveying information without having characters having to spell it out, or it happens in a way in which is organic to the story. And a lot of Christopher Nolan movies don't do this very well. In this one, I just remember there's so many instances of McConaughey's character, who we're told is a trained astronaut, doesn't really understand what a wormhole is, it has to be explained to him, doesn't really understand relativity or how a black hole works, has to be explained to him. Of course, that's ridiculous. He would know those things, but they're there for us. Yeah, it would make sense if they if they were explaining it to a kid or something in the movie. Yeah. These very rudimentary explanations. Uh, there's other cases where there's a, a PTA meeting between Cooper and teachers at his kid's school at one point. And in this little conversation, he drops the mention that his wife died and how she died. Then there's this big philosophical discussion on the future of mankind and what we should be doing to help us survive. And I'm like, wow, this is some <laughs> this is some PTA meeting they're having over here. But of course, this is all done to convey all those ideas in as succinct a way as possible because this is a three-hour fucking movie. And it's just a common problem because the sense of authenticity and immersiveness is gone it was really a big problem in pretty much the entire movie there's a lot of characters just explaining things at each other in ways that aren't really there for the story sure yeah maybe some of it was necessary like because this movie was so well researched and, and based in science they needed to convey that information to the layperson i guess or the audience member the general viewer. i'm not disagreeing with that i'm just but, saying there's there's better there had to be better ways of doing that yeah it was a little bit jarring sometimes yeah. you have the other people in the research team that go goes out through the wormhole who aren't you know the big stars matthew mcconaughey and Anne hathaway we don't really learn anything about them they're very expendable they both die in kind of these rushed ways it just cheapens these human characters that are supposed to be so important to the movie when other characters are just there as exposition foils for other characters and the, the example i wanted to tell you about was and you didn't even remember that he was in this movie probably because you weren't paying attention <laughs> by then and i don't blame you topher grace who some people might recognize as the main character from that 70s show is a colleague slash boyfriend slash something of cooper's daughter who's now an adult and actually working as a researcher on trying to figure out this gravitational propulsion problem to help save humanity and i remember watching the first scene he shows up or one of the first scenes he shows up literally all 
all his dialogue is him asking her questions. He's, he's not there to be a character who has, you know, emotions and purpose and an arc. He's there for her to have someone to talk at. For a movie that wants to have emotional cores be the thing that's important, as as important as the science stuff, that's a pretty egregious error. Which takes me to <laughs> the second thing that I would say is a common problem with Christopher Nolan movies is his treatment of female characters because he actually writes a lot of his movies as well or co-writes some of his brother Jonathan Nolan and yeah I'm just curious to ask your opinion Rob what would you say is a great female character in a Christopher Nolan movie oh man no I I don't know um what's her name <laughs> oh yeah I... what's her name yeah. <laughs> an inception <laughs> the wife oh or uh, Ellen <laughs> Page, you mean? <laughs> Maybe Ellen Page. I don't know. What was yeah. memorable about Ellen Page's character in that movie? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, they're they're flat. They're flat. Although to be fair, I don't know if he writes male character characters much better. <laughs> I disagree. Memento, I would say, is a great male True. character. This I is one example. Yeah. Maybe since then the track record has track record hasn't been great. But yeah, I mean, if you think about it, the example I always think of is Inception. The only real female character in the whole movie is a figment of the male character's imagination or mind, <laughs> which kind of says it all, doesn't it? In this case, the two main female characters are the daughter of Cooper, played by Jessica Chastain, Murphy, and Amelia, played by Anne Hathaway. So this is where I want to go to, I would say, my key problem with this movie and what I would also say is my key fix. The key problem of this movie is that its emotional core is this father-daughter relationship. So the daughter is not happy when Cooper leaves. She is distraught and she feels like he's betrayed her and abandoned his family because she's young, she doesn't understand. After all that black hole, wasting time on that water planet business and 30 years have passed, Cooper goes up and he finds all these messages that have been sent from Earth in the in the years that he's missed out on. And one of the videos is his daughter who's now an adult calling him a bastard or a son of a bitch. I think she calls him a son of a bitch and she's clearly still harboring a grudge and is almost hateful of her father. That is the key of the movie right there, that he owes his daughter coming back. He made her a promise and a dad has to has to fulfill his promise for his daughter and she is so upset and hurt and, and bitter and that's where the power of this relationship is supposed to come that she feels betrayed but he didn't actually betray her. He, he couldn't help not being able to come back. It was out of his control. To me... It's ridiculous to think that this character, okay, when she's a kid, she's immature, she doesn't fully understand why he did it or where he went, but when she's an adult, she's actually working as part of this project and knows full well why he did it and what he sacrificed to do it, and yet she still feels like he abandoned them and doesn't love them and all that, which in the context of what we see in the movie is ridiculous. It's, yeah, it's such a stretch of the imagination to think somebody supposedly as smart as her and as like a supporter of science and the uh, the necessity for programs like NASA and space exploration should understand that Cooper's decision was like a, a last ditch effort to save humanity. This this mission was supposed to secure humanity's future, and somebody had to do it. And he was he was really the only qualified person, apparently. <laughs> apparently, <laughs> and, yeah. and yet she can't see beyond herself and her hurt emotions in the moment, despite all this knowledge. It's its mind-blowing in a way. It feels so artificial and feels like the only way it was done like this was because the movie worked better that way in terms of having the emotional stakes be so high by this betrayal. 
it so, was it was all there to set up the the payoff at the ending but yeah on its face it, it just seemed very artificial and out of place and it didn't make much sense the other female character so we have the one irrational female character and then <laughs> Anne Hathaway so when the when the team the team of researchers were now down to only three have to decide what to do in terms of which next planet to visit because there's two planets left that have the potential of being habitable but they now only have fuel to visit one one planet is is closer or easier to reach i think and has promising data and it also has the astronaut thomas mann i think is his name who is the person who created this whole mission in the first place and the other one we find out is the one that was visited by amelia's love interest which she doesn't admit and she wants to really go to this planet and when cooper who's the rational one finally coaxes it out of her it turns out that it's because she's following her heart and well let's let amelia played by anne hathaway convey those beautiful words for herself love isn't something we invented it's observable powerful it has to mean something Love has meaning, yes. Social utility, social bonding, child rearing. We love people who have died. Where's the social utility in that? None. Maybe it means something more, something we can't yet understand. Maybe it's some evidence, some artifact of a higher dimension that we can't consciously perceive. I'm drawn across the universe to someone I haven't seen in a decade, who I know is probably dead. Love is the one thing we're capable of perceiving that transcends dimensions of time and space. Hokey, yes. I mean, not to be too harsh. I get what the movie's trying to convey here, the power of love and faith in that to just kind of transcend the limitations that we seem to have. But I remember just thinking as I was watching this movie the second time for for this podcast was, just imagine if a stalker of Anne Hathaway's was just saying those words to her naked in her bedroom or something. You know, oh, uh, I just had to trust in love. And even if we don't understand it, we should just go with it. It just made me crack up that a scientist would use such an irrational decision-making process for something that's a very, very critical and important decision that has the fate of humanity hinging on it. And the movie's trying to do it in a way in which, well, maybe we should trust in love. It's so ridiculous. And why didn't they choose what planets to go to before they launched the mission? Well, I guess the plan was scuppered because they were supposed to be able to easily go to all three. And, well, what happens is that Cooper chastises her basically and they and he coerces everyone to just go the way of man so not the way of love he turns his way from love again after abandoning his daughter long story short it turns out that the promising data was faked the astronaut there played by matt damon is actually an asshole who who just wanted people to come to, to save him because if you went to a planet that wasn't habitable you're just left to die there basically because they don't have the resources to get everybody back and there's all this action stuff that we're not going to get into right now it's just explosions and moralizing on humanity's survival instinct and how it has its dark side and its positive side but okay so that all happens and because of actions of matt damon's character their ship is damaged and so their only gambit to be able to get to to this final planet is to go back to the black hole and orbit it and use it as a slingshot to get to the planet with expending minimal fuel. But because of the sabotage of Matt Damon's character, they can't all go, and McConaughey bravely sacrifices himself and breaks the promise to his daughter by jettisoning himself into the black hole. This is 
where we come to the crux of your issue of the movie. Yeah, this ending ruined it for me, to be honest. <laughs> Didn't exactly ruin it. There were there were a lot of enjoyable parts, but this I, I saw the ending of this movie is kind of an insult to the rest of it. Such a disservice to the rest of the movie. How so? <laughs> so to explain what happens is he's uh, he's uh, shot into this black hole. Which is cool. The, the visuals in that part are pretty cool, yeah, I gotta the visuals, say. The visuals are great, yeah. So he's somehow not completely disintegrated upon entering this black hole which i mean any any physicist would tell you is is something that's totally unavoidable if you approach a black hole nothing can survive it but he he winds up in this black hole and survives well because someone is helping him someone's been helping us all along yeah somebody is guiding holding the reins but they wouldn't have they wouldn't have been able to change the nature of the black hole such well they're future beings you don't know what they're capable of okay so he he enters the black hole and he finds himself somehow in a very familiar setting that is a three-dimensional representation of every possible time moment of time for his daughter's bedroom yeah he finds himself back in his daughter's bedroom in a weird three-dimensional tesseract sort of representation of her bookcase yeah he's like behind the bookcase and And it turns out he's the ghost from earlier in the movie yeah who's been sending all that information he's been knocking the books off the bookcase in, in an effort to communicate with her and himself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I guess that's when he has like this epiphany moment that humans from the future have been helping out in sending these messages or, or you know, just guiding humans of the present day to save humanity. Right. Like that's their goal. So he figures this out and he tries to get his daughter, who's now an adult, to see his message with... <laughs> this is something that we're not going to get into and the movie doesn't get into really. Turns out that the reason why they couldn't just take everybody from Earth to uh, outer space and save humanity is because they needed data from a black hole, which was impossible to get. But now that basically they can collect the data from inside the black hole. And so Cooper sends it to his daughter who figures it out and takes it and blah, 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 saves humanity. If these future beings were able to alter this black hole, I'm not sure why they couldn't have just sent this black hole quantum data to them directly yeah i don't know why matthew mcconaughey needed to fall into the black hole and then send it but well maybe they're bored and this is (laughs) (laughs) well you wouldn't have a movie it wouldn't be very interesting to watch so like many people i i was very interested in this movie when it was coming out because uh it kind of uh, represented itself as a hard sci-fi uh space movie i i'm really into like the space culture I, i love movies that try to do justice to the science and portray things in a very realistic way which this movie did in many ways oh yeah they put a they you can tell they just put a lot of effort into just how the technology worked how people traveled in space and how gravity worked in space and black holes and what wormholes might work like yeah it was really well researched but this movie had a weird thing where it tried to play both sides kind of like it 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 had these hard sci-fi elements but then like so many movies before it and after it it felt the need to tie the weight of the movie to a very personal emotional element in this movie it was the love between a father and a daughter which i i find just really strange in a sci-fi movie corny and it takes away from the the sci-fi elements i think that's where the really ambitious element of this movie was for christopher nolan he wanted to have this movie where he had characters going through wormholes, going through black holes, and just going to the edge of space and exploring these themes that the divide between, you know, rationality and science and faith and love, leaving the planet or just taking care of what we have, as well as like the survival instinct of 
of the self versus sacrificing yourself for others. I get it. To have more of a mass appeal, you need to have an emotional core. So it's just more of the case of the execution. It really takes me to now, like the the thing with the whole movie was for all the very interesting and timely themes it had, I just found that it was just not very immersive, not engaging. Parts were really dramatic and beautiful. I think the soundtrack by Hans Zimmer, who's one of my favorite composers, is great in this movie. It was good and it wasn't as imposing as the soundtrack is in, in some other Inception. Nolan movies. Yeah. <laughs> and yet I thought this movie was incredibly boring on on a second viewing. I think it might be the emotional core that's lacking, the authenticity of it. Yeah, it, it's hard to place. Well, because Maybe. you lost interest in the movie, right? <laughs> yeah, well, certainly it's runtime plays against it at certain times when, when it starts to drag. And, and the middle of the movie where it's set up that there are a number of planets they're going to visit, it creates this predictability that kind of makes it less engaging. Yeah, yeah. It's just like a really long episode of Star Trek The Next Generation yeah. or something. Each yeah. of those planets would have made like a really cool episode of Star Trek. Yeah, I could see that. But but yeah, like you said, it was missing something. And I'm not sure if it was just the the characters weren't relatable or, or believable or the stakes weren't high enough at, at the right parts of the movie to keep you engaged yeah. throughout. I, honestly, it's really hard to put your finger on, but I lost interest yeah. <laughs> as well. Eh? And if I want to start suggesting fixes now, I'm thinking a couple of things. Maybe the movie was being too ambitious by trying to really have these ideas or visuals of going through a black hole, going through a wormhole, and humans trying to reach for the final frontier and trying to survive with the father-daughter relationship and all the other emotional stuff that it was trying to do. I don't think it worked and maybe it should have just been a hard sci-fi movie and, and kept the emotional stuff more ingrained into the plot and less the background of it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like when they were making this movie, they were like, we really want to do something that involves a black hole. We really want to do something that involves a wormhole. Wouldn't it be cool if there was this water planet? Wouldn't we be, be cool if we had this tesseract scene in the end where we kind of fuck around with time? And then they try to make a plot that works around those things. Instead of starting with the characters and giving them arcs and figuring out what you're going to explore that way, it seemed like they started the other way around, where they started with the spectacle and tried to make things fit it. Yeah, the relationship between Cooper and his daughter was supposed to be the backbone of the plot really but it, it, it was just not substantial enough to pull the rest of, of the plot along if you know what I mean it, it didn't do justice to the scale of this movie that, that's the thing about space if anything it transcends our ultimately insignificant relationships and this movie really wanted to show how we have so much power in our relationships in a way that transcends time and space, literally. And I am okay with that conceptually as like a film can explore that even if I think it's unrealistic, it still is a movie. But have your relationship be something more substantive, as you said, as a fix. I think they really wanted to have Cooper be this hero for humanity, kind of like this male archetype that is all good and altruistic and is really cares about others. And in the beginning of the movie, there's a lot of criticism that comes his way in which he doesn't really want to be on the planet and he's not happy with his life as a farmer. He has this adventurous spirit. But you can tell that he genuinely loves his kids. He really cares about the planet and cares about people. He just wants to do the right thing. So that's why the betrayal that his daughter feels feels artificial to me. And I think they should have done it in a way in which he really does betray his family in some way like he really does want to leave uh, leave them behind you know he's just not meant to be a father or doesn't appreciate what being a father is or feels it's a burden whatever he has some kind of major flaw and he wants to escape himself by escaping the planet and then he refines himself 
and what he values in this journey. But instead, they make him just this perfect guy, so the daughter being betrayed makes no sense. And I think if they had done it in, in a way in which he was more flawed, it would have made more sense and would have had that depth to it. But movies seem to be very afraid of having their characters make any serious mistakes or have major character flaws yeah which is which is strange because everybody has flaws and I, I think it just makes stronger characters in the end to make them more believable it makes us connect with them there's so many examples from movies over the years where they do that if i was to compare the new star wars movies with the flaws that the characters have in the original like the main characters i'm talking about han solo who's arrogant and self-interested where do you see that kind of thing in the new characters they're, they're all pretty much perfect people, <laughs> really. Uh, Matthew McConaughey's character, uh, like you said, just not having anything really to regret towards the end of the movie or not really having any direction to change or, or room to no. change or to He's grow. He's just hero who continues on the hero's journey. It made Murphy's actions throughout the movie seem very unfounded and irrational. And it made her just seem like a terrible person, really. Really, yeah. She came off as a bitch. <laughs> I can't think of another way of saying it. And in the, in the end of the movie, whoever they are, these future humans take Cooper out of the black hole and he's rescued by humans and it's now even further into the future, gets reunited with his daughter finally. So you have that you know catharsis at the end. He, he, he fulfills his promise and she's this old lady and Anne Hathaway's character has gone to the final planet where she's now alone because it turns out her love interest or boyfriend, whatever he was, is dead. So she's starting this new colony alone. Cooper just decides to go join her because I guess they, they're a love item at the end. It seems to be insinuating that, yeah. So that's the end of his arc in a sense in which he was this adventurous spirit. And so now he's going to the final frontier again by helping start this colony. Yeah, so that's it. And yet... For all the things that this movie was exploring, such a hollow experience. Really disappointing. To me, these movies are always more compelling when uh, the outcome is bleak, to be honest. I, I don't like that everything worked out perfectly in the end. I think there is a space for like a happy medium. <laughs> I use the word happy there kind of ironically, where the ending is bittersweet, if you know what I mean. Where, sure, yeah. Like Arrival. So Arrival, we won't spoil it here, but it doesn't necessarily have a happy ending but you could see it that way it depends on how you look at it and this movie was kind of just trying to inspire hope in these bleak times but i think when you mix in tragedy or you mix in you know bleakness it makes it more bittersweet and more powerful what were you saying about 2001 a space odyssey before we were recording yeah i, I remember after we watched i, I think it was ad astra oh, um, the brad pitt movie from last yeah. year yeah yeah, you, you mentioned how all these these space movies, The Martian, uh, Interstellar, Ad Astra, and there are more, Arrival, maybe it could be said, sure. they, they try to capture something that 2001 did, like uh, they're all inspired in some small part, at least by the success of 2001, but none of them just do what 2001 did. They don't capture the spirit of what it was trying to share. Exactly, yeah, and, and what was so successful and captivating about 2001 is is how it captured just the emptiness of space, and not just in a physical sense, but in an emotional sense too, how, how space is just indifferent. Our irrelevance in the grand scheme of things as well. Yeah. If you think about it, the human characters in that movie are expendable. We don't really get to know any of them. We don't really spend much time with any of them. Character development is just not a thing that's important in that movie because that's not the focus. Right. So I, I think Interstellar's tried to capture some of that as well. 
and how it portrayed space, but it, it created this emotional gravitas of the movie uh, or emotional keys. How like the the answer to everything at the end was the power of love. The power of love. You can have an emotional core to a movie when it's on an experiential level. Like the the characters can still feel emotion. They're they're human, and and we're all human, and that's how we connect to them. But to to link those human emotions to actual the actual nature of space uh, of, of space and the universe, and how how that's the key to like the physical reality of of nature is just a little bit of a stretch for me, and it kind of detracts from the hard sci fi elements. It's almost like an example of the human hubris and thinking that everything revolves around them and their emotions in a way. Yeah, it is very human-centric. I mean, I guess it's made by humans. <laughs> sure, but I think deep down we all know that we're all just kind of, you know, apes in a... Whoa, we're getting dark here. Where, where are you going with this? <laughs> Everything is meaningless. <laughs> didn't, didn't we say this was supposed to be an escape in the beginning? That's true. Oh, well, so much for that. I think the worst thing you can say with a movie, even though we've talked about it for however long it's been, is I really didn't take much from it. It's it's more of a case where, and we talked about this in our very first episode together, uh, Us, where it just interests me more that people love it so much, more than the actual content of the movie. Again, it's it's one of those cases where I think people just really like the ideas and the message of hope that it brings. Is that what it is? Do you think well, is that I, what people like about it? I, I, I think don't so. Really know. I think there are different sorts of people that watch these movies, and I, I think I'm one who who watches grand space movies like this uh, for like a sci-fi, something believable, realistic, and and that's what I found most interesting about this. Like parts of reality that they portrayed that could realistically be honest depictions of, of what a future might look like on like a failed Earth. I wouldn't say that you're looking for something that different from most viewers. I think it's just your reaction to the hope message is that it feels fake or unearned. And there's ways of conveying hope in a way that is actually way more powerful and authentic. I would say 2001 is Space Odyssey for as much as it shows us a bleak, massive universe that, that we're not really a big part of. It, it does kind of just spark the sense of wonder. Like, I wouldn't say that's a bleak movie. No, it's not. I think that uh, the dialogue that they display at the, the very beginning of 2001, is it the beginning or the end? I think the beginning is that the scariest thing about space isn't how harsh and cruel it is, but how indifferent it is. I yeah. don't remember that line. That's a good one. But okay, so let me ask you, if, if you could take the reins and make your own kind of interstellar, what would be different? I would have liked it if this movie was just a hard sci-fi. And I, I think those are the strongest elements of this movie because it actually did some of those elements extremely well. It was really researched. The The depiction that they gave of Earth and in this future, how climate change has basically uh, made it unlivable and, and the crops are dying from the blight. I thought that was all really well done. And uh, the scenes on the, the different planets, these different depictions of what other potentially habitable planets might look like, I thought were really interesting. They weren't like too outrageous it wasn't like some of the planets in like star wars like felucia or something where there are these giant like alien plants growing everywhere that are really strange looking and alien looking but the the planets themselves were pretty mundane like the first one was just a water planet it probably made it a lot easier for them because they could just film it on a beach somewhere <laughs> but it, it was also it, it made it more believable because that's probably what foreign like alien planets actually look like if you're on them it's just rock water, things that we're all very used to. So in that sense, I, I thought those elements of the movie were really well done. And um, I think it would have been more powerful if they just 
tried to do that really well just keep it true to the science and true to you know keep keep it grounded in reality as much as they could and they kind of went off off the rails at the end when Coop was shot into the black hole that's that's when it just got a little bit too crazy for me how would you have wanted it to end maybe he goes into the black hole but he dies <laughs> you don't see him floating <laughs> no. around no 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 I, I you know i'm not sure it could have ended any number of ways just like the the ending uh, of him going to this foreign planet with uh, Brant or Amelia and starting a colony there. that That's an interesting ending. Yeah, I agree. So you probably wouldn't want it to spend any time with those people on Earth. Not really. Because the movie bounces back and forth between what Cooper's doing and what his daughter's doing in the last third of the movie, I'd say. Her parts aren't really that interesting. It's more just interesting in the sense of, or connected in the sense of what Cooper's going to do and how he's going to get back to his daughter. What she does is just be angry and upset and hurt by her dad. And then I think the filmmakers realize this and they manufacture this conflict between her and her brother at the end. If you remember that, where it kind of cuts between the conflict between her and her brother and then the conflict between... Matt Damon and Cooper at the end of the movie. And it just felt so forced. So I, I kind of agree with you. Maybe cut a lot of that out, simplify, make the movie shorter. And who knows? So on to final judgment. Rob, is Interstellar fixable, fine just as it is, or damaged beyond repair? Well, definitely fixable. It's not one of my favorite movies, but I have to say that it did a lot of things really well, and I, I loved a lot of aspects about it. I would trim out a lot of the unnecessary bloat about the grandiose emotional messages that it has, and how love conquers all, and everything in the universe all comes down to our personal connections with one another, and, and that is the key to, to everything, I, I think. Yeah, it's almost like Deepak Chopra co-wrote the yeah, screenplay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Certainly fixable. I, I would trim it down, make it a hard sci-fi. I think I agree with you. I think it's fixable i don't think it's damaged beyond repair there's just a lot of good stuff here and it would be a lot of work in one way i kind of see it as maybe the script that they had was would have been like a good first draft that you can just kind of tinker and improve on and while me personally i wouldn't want to have a movie be so focused on this power of love stuff but if you want to do it that way that's fine i think the movie could have done a better job of it so you want to work in wormholes and black holes and all this cool space stuff do it remember the characters first and foremost don't have them just be exposition tools have the relationships be the key focus and have them be nuanced not contrived and then build the movie from there so much of the technical stuff the filming and all that is amazing top notch it's the writing that was lacking another draft of this screenplay who knows this could have been a much better movie And before we sign off, we wanted to just share some recommendations for things we've been watching lately. Rob, anything you've been seeing lately that you'd recommend? So uh, what this movie reminded me of, uh, this the show that I, I finished watching not too long ago called The Expanse, you can find on Amazon oh, yeah. Prime. There are a number of seasons, but it did some of the same things right. It was a great uh, depiction of a semi-believable future that humanity might face uh, if we venture out into space. It's about different warring factions in uh, space colonies there are the earthers people who live on earth and there is a colony on mars and people that are kind of caught between these two warring factions called the belters who live in on space stations so it's a great depiction of a potential future we might face with different societies living in different colonies in space 
that are brought unwittingly to the the brink of war. Very intriguing indeed. And I guess just as a show, you have more of a chance to just have the characters be developed and themes explored more richly than something like Interstellar. As a TV show, it's spaced out a little bit more. It has some really great engaging characters, some really great settings. All in all, it's a bit of a mixed bag in the same way Interstellar was, but it's pretty satisfying. I didn't regret watching it. Okay, great. It's on my to-watch list, so maybe I'll check it out. The movie I want to recommend for this episode is Roman Polanski's Chinatown. I'd actually never seen this movie before uh, the other day, and it's considered a classic. The director is pretty controversial. He actually lives in hiding in France, and if you just want to Google what he's done, it's some pretty terrible stuff, and it's always hard to keep movies separated from their creators, especially when you find out more about them. With that being said, I thought Chinatown was a pretty good movie. It's very much old-fashioned Hollywood. The movie's from 1974. It stars Jack Nicholson, and it's your classic private detective, film noir. He has to solve this murder, and it really is one of the best movies I've ever seen done in that genre, especially compared to movies nowadays. It's just refreshing to see something that's so comfortable in its own sense of time and place and setting everything kind of unfolds very organically you learn everything without it feeling rushed or forced and i found myself getting really immersed in the story jack nicholson is great in this character uh, just to contrast with matthew mcconaughey's character in interstellar jack nicholson's character is very flawed and actually makes things worse just as much as he makes them better which was kind of interesting to watch as well i would very much recommend it Watch out for that ending, because that ending is a doozy. And that's a wrap on this episode. Thank you so much for listening, wherever you are. Fix This Flick will be back very soon. I'm your host, Ali. And I'm Rob. And we'll be back soon. Ciao. Bye.